September 21, 2021. It's a lot for Pedro Show. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
show happy tuesday i think it's the last day of summer moving <laughs> yeah moving up ah you can tell people not man alone right we'll get to that yeah. first i want to tell started the show off john coltrane doing uh, naima live at wineless pen and t uh, july 27 1965 and then mike cooper with summer without waves uh-huh. and uh yeah that voice you can hear yeah those uh, skype engineers from estonia i should have said estonian software engineers with their skype invention made it possible I got Mike Cooper. How you doing, Mike? Welcome aboard. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, thank you. And what's the weather like in Rome right now? Uh, I'm not in Rome. I'm in Valencia in Spain. I left Rome about uh, two years ago now. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Slow learner. <laughs> the only thing new <laughs> is me finding out about it. Okay, Valencia. It's a great town. I had, uh, got some buddies from there. In fact, I think that, that Route 66 magazine... Rock and Roll Magazine gets out of there and stuff. Uh, Mike, wonderful guitar player, man. I, w- I would like to learn about your journey through music. Can you bring me your earliest musical recollection, please? My earliest musical recollections, uh, well, listening-wise, I guess, um, I started listening to, obviously, early rock and roll in the, when it first happened. And then, uh, and then I started listening to a lot of jazz on Voice of America, which came from Europe on radio. And so that's my kind of listening initiation into music. And the first live, um, live stuff I ever heard was jazz, of course. Yeah, it been jazz. The pad you grew up in, was there musical instruments? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Reading, which is like half an hour from London by train or car. Yeah, there was stuff there, yeah. I played a festival there with the Stooges. It was the day of Katrina. Terrible over here, but it was 100 degrees. And all these, <laughs> which ain't that common there. Well, maybe nowadays it is, but... No, no, it's not that common in England. Okay. Yeah, because the cats had their shirts off and people were calling them roast beef because of the pink. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Uh, it, what kind of instruments? Was there a guitar? Yeah, yeah, we had a guitar shop, and um, I bought my first guitar in in Reading, and uh, I bought it in a what what you would call a pawn shop, a secondhand shop. Sure, sure, pawn shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I bought uh, my guitar there, and uh, I had a little wooden guitar. But then in the same shop, I bought my um, my National Resonator Resophonic Triplate, which I still play today. I bought that there, and that was one of the that was only the second guitar I ever had. And wow. I bought that for eight pounds sterling. <laughs> Damn. Now, how old were you, Mike? Uh, when I bought the guitars, I was quite a late beginner on, in music. So it was just after I left school. So I was like uh, 18, 19. So it, like you weren't part of the marching band or the choir or any of that shit in school? Nothing, nothing at all. No, no. In fact, I got thrown out of the music class in school. They told me I was a totally unmusical person. It's probably true. <laughs> I got told that. Well, uh, it was the seventh grade, and you know they gave me the clarinet for ten weeks. And Mr. Luna was the teacher. He said, "Watt, you try, Mr. Watt, you try hard, but you, know, you should stop <laughs> wasting your time and my time." time and then he looked at the rest of the class and he said, "Our time." So, like, yeah, I never took another. <laughs> Luckily, my buddy wanted me to be his bass. Well, his mother put me on bass. Uh, so, so uh, what was the first record you bought with your own money, Mike? That's a, someone just asked me that same question today on a, on, a, on an email message, and I think uh, probably I bought Django Reinhardt record, 
and then I bought a John Lee Hooker record. And the first gig you saw, you said it was some kind of jazz. Yeah, yeah, we had uh, we had about three jazz clubs in Reading. They were they were places that played uh, New Orleans jazz, of course, at that time. So, so yeah, that was the first. Uh, we used to go and dance to New Orleans stuff. Yeah, good stuff, Satch. Yeah, yeah. And the trap was kit was invented there. I mean, there's a lot of music history. Uh, Congo Square in New Orleans, incredible. Uh, yeah. For, for music. Yeah. So when you got that guitar, that resonator and that acoustic, did you go yeah. uh, find a teacher? Did you take lessons? No, no. I'm so totally self-taught at everything that I do, even walking. <laughs> <laughs> well, well now, now, how'd you do that? Did you buy books or did you just listen to records and like, yeah, I I had uh, you know I had uh, listened to the radio and uh, I did buy some books. I had there's a very famous um, guitar book amongst English guitar players. It was written by a guy called Bert Whedon, and it was called Play in a Day, which uh, is kind of almost true. <laughs> and then I had a, I also had a Jimmy Baker guitar book, which didn't really teach me a lot, but the Bert Whedon one I learned more from that. And then I just started to uh, try and um, imitate stuff I was hearing on the radio. And when I say imitate stuff, it, I was obviously trying to play uh, pop songs and things like that, you know. Well, and, what about uh, trying to, and trying to sing, because I really wanted to be a singer, not necessarily a guitarist. Oh, like what, singer-songwriter? Well, no, I just wanted to be, uh, you know, I liked, I liked singers more than guitarists at the time I, you know, I knew, listening to Django Reinhardt I thought I'm never going to be able to do that so I'm going to do something else <laughs> that guy was pretty incredible oh yeah it's like you know he's only got two fingers I as know well, I know I know but he's like whooping <laughs> it up pretty big time yeah another yeah. guy so I, uh, what about Charlie Christian did you listen to him well I never got to as far as that at that particular time Later on, I did, of course, yeah, yeah. And Barney Kessel and people like that. Yeah. I got to see him play live. I'm glad you did. I'm very, very, very jealous that you did. Yeah, he yeah. played in my town. Yeah, Des is a friend of mine's yeah. he booked him. And uh, he made a record with John, I think it's the only guitar record John Coltrane made. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so you would see guitarists at these jazz clubs. D did any of them have influence on you? No, there weren't a lot of guitarists there, in fact, and uh, I think that... Oh, because uh, not... it's Dixieland. Yeah, so a lot of Yeah, clarinet. yeah, it's all yeah. banjo players. Yeah, banjo, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of guitarists. No, 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 no. And in fact, in old days, yeah, guitar was in the rhythm section. And uh, Yeah, sure. Right, right, Charlie Christian kind of changed that. Yeah, yeah. And people yeah. like Django. Yeah. That's right, yeah, it became a lead instrument instead of a percussion instrument, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, so one of the first, uh, I guess, you know, I was trying to like hack around on the on the little wooden acoustic I had, and um, one day I went to a friend's house, and there was a um, a guy from Trinidad, and Reading was an interesting town in the this is the late fifties, yeah? because it was one of the first towns where the uh, where the Caribbean people came over to England and settled in Reading. And um, this guy, Johnny, was, uh, he was a you know, young guy, he was in his 20s, and he played guitar, and he sang Hank Williams, Hank Williams songs, and I was very impressed by that. So that put me on, a, on another road altogether. The, the idea of songwriting, okay. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, a little two-minute, three-minute. Yeah, Hank Williams, yeah. great songwriter. So, uh, yes. 
Yeah, and so you're looking at the guitar more as like an accompanying? Sure. Yeah, it was it was something for me to sing to. You know, I couldn't stand up and sing with no accompaniment because I didn't have a band or anything. So I just learned three chords on the guitar, and I said, you know, you can sing any song out of these three chords. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes one chord, right? Remember Lyman the Coconut? Yeah, she, well, that was, that was where Johnny Hook came into it, you yeah, see. Him and too. I don't, you only need right. one chord. <laughs> you only need one chord. A lot of Stooges was like that, too. Um Interesting. Uh, did you start to write your own material, or were you covering other people? No, I was. Uh, I started off, and and for some reason or other, I just uh, naturally latched onto black music more than anything else. And I was trying to do like Platter's songs and things like that. And uh, and Ray Charles, I liked Ray Charles very much. And uh, I was trying, and so this kind of automatically led me towards blues records and stuff like that so that's where that path came from oh and you think and, it was johnny um, uh, the cat from trinidad yeah 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 and him and uh you know and uh so i thought you know black music's great and uh, don't need the white music <laughs> <laughs> well things influence us and stuff like, like johnny singing the hank williams ain't that trip they inform each other yeah um, it's, uh, johnny singing hank williams is great yeah <laughs> right and, and something like uh you know, uh, jambalaya, you know, uh, New Orleans stuff. Yeah, right? yeah. Right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, music's yeah. for. Yeah. Bring, look, you gave me this uh, new gamelan. Beautiful. Let me play it. Yeah. Thank you. 
Pedro Show. That chunk of music started with Mike Cooper doing New Gamelon. Then Bombas Prendon with uh, Just Beyond the Door 2. Guitar squeezing. <laughs> Subtitle, I guess. Vermes do Limbo from Brazil with Ah, Fall and Decline. But after six years, Gregory W. Brown, some coral. Uh, Chris Gregory. I think he's from Darby, part of England. Uh, Bird wow. Flight, part three of three. Chris Gregory. Samuel Lockwood, Iowa City with Worry. We shall not speak of this again. Northern Jaw. Up around the sun is Tim Kerr's new project out of Austin. Molly put the kettle off. And finally, Mike Cooper, Age Unlimited. So you never, you were always man alone with your, your music? No. Um, after, I guess, uh, quite quickly after picking up the guitar and starting to sing, I joined a band. I had a Band, joined a band called Blues Committee. We played R and B stuff, like you know Jimmy Jimmy Reed and uh, sure. Muddy Waters stuff like that. Yep. So it's plunged straight into the into the blues gigs. Yeah. And, and big difference playing with other people than Man Alone, huh? Yeah, sure. And uh, I actually didn't play guitar in that situation. I just sang, and uh, so it was quite a few couple of three or four years before I picked up the guitar again and started playing by which time there was reason to do it because um, there, the, the folk music thing st had started to happen in England and um, friends of mine opened a folk club and it was a good opportunity for me to stand up, play the guitar and sing and so I just learned three three songs and got out there and did it on my own Yeah, and uh, it was good that I did because the band um, didn't really go anywhere and it folded but so I was left to but with a solo career which I pursued from there onwards almost in fact yeah and what does do you like focus more on the guitar instrumentally or it's still like an accompaniment instrument no I was still uh, I was still saw myself primarily as a singer but um um, after a while, I kind of honed in on Blind Boy Fuller, who wow, I yeah. really loved his playing. And um, I learned to play everything I could find of him. And that being only one LP, in fact, that was on Philips at the time. And I learned all that stuff. And that became my repertoire. I was a Blind Boy Fuller clone. The interesting, <laughs> the interesting, the interesting thing, as it turned out, was that uh, I was I was learning this stuff by ear, of course. And after after quite a few years later, I met uh, I met some people like Stefan Grossman, who actually knew how to play this stuff properly. And I realised I was playing it completely wrong, which was a great asset, in fact, because because of playing stuff wrong, I actually came out out of it with something completely of my own. And so that was quite an interesting uh, thing. 
that I've pursued ever since, in fact. <laughs> no, but that's a great that's a great point to make, you know. If you would have learned the correct way, which was actually just copying, right? Yeah. You yeah, came yeah. up with and found your own voice. Exactly. That's exactly what happened, in fact. And uh, so I was quite happy about that. <laughs> now, did you move to the National or did you stay on that acoustic? Yeah, yeah. No, I was I was with the National, the National, which I only played um, fingerstyle at that time. And then uh, another interesting, um, a coincidence happened. I walked into a, um, a, a coffee place in Reading one day, and there was a guy sat there, and uh, I had my guitar with me in a in a bag. I carried this thing around in a sack, you know. And um, he said to me, "What do you got?" I said, "A guitar." And I have a look at it. I took it out, and he said, "Do you know what this is really for?" And I said, "For, for playing." And he said, "No, no." He said, "This is a very special kind of instrument." I said. Yeah, I know it's special, but what do you mean? He said, give me a glass. He gave him a glass, and he put the guitar in open tuning, laid it on his lap, and played Hawaiian style. And that was a whole different deal for me. And then I realized uh, what he was talking about, which put me on another road, of course. <laughs> Are you talking slack key? Yeah, well, he turned it, he put it into an open G, which is a slack key tuning, but he, he played lap style slide with the glass sure 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 and that's beautiful but the slack key i heard it came because like i guess some spanish guys left some guitars in hawaii but they didn't tell the people how to tune them so they say yeah yeah but in fact um Spanish, the mexicans and there have been mexican cowboys and they actually have tunings Lateros. open Lateros. tunings they use anyway yeah yeah they have open tunings yeah so right uh, the hawaiian the hawaiians did invent a lot of tunings all the hawaiian families in in fact, usually have a tune of their own, which they kind of try and keep secret. And, sure, uh, sure. Like, yeah. like Robert yeah. Johnson uh, turning around when he did gigs. Yeah, I've seen a, a very nice black and white film with no sound, unfortunately, of um, Ledward Carpano, who's a great Hawaiian guitarist, of his father playing guitar, and he's got paper bag on his hand, so you can't, <laughs> can't actually see what he's doing. <laughs> Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Well, you know... Yeah. What I found out about open tunings with slide, a lot of that came yeah. from banjo world. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because banjos kind of always worked because get all that arpeggio thing going. Sure. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting how everything informs each other, you know, to bring in the, sure. the next stuff using a whole yeah. bunch of foundation from the old stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah, folk music. Folk music. <laughs> right, right, right. So this is a sea change. You, what, do you buy a, a slide or do you use a glass? <laughs> Yeah, I actually went and bought a um, a piece of uh, stainless steel water pipe. In we we actually had a blacksmith in Reading, believe it or not, in the in the in the sixties. And um, I went to the blacksmith, and he sawed me off with like a three inch piece of stainless steel water pipe, which I still got and I still use. Oh. I've been using this piece of metal for like sixty years now. And you yeah. think metal's better than glass? I do. I think uh, metal well it lasts longer. You know, drop glass and it's broken. And I've dropped the, <laughs> I've dropped the tube many times. So. Good point, good point. What what about uh lap? What about what? Lap steel, I'm sorry. Yeah. Did you ever get yeah, into yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, well, that was what I was doing. I I started I played bottleneck and then I started playing lap steel. Okay. I only play lap steel now, in fact. I don't do hardly do anything else at all. You don't play that national anymore. Yeah, I do. I play it lap steel though. I've oh, got the, no. uh, I met them little things. They're, they're, they don't have any sound box. They're just a little neck, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've got two or three of those. I've got electric things, and uh, I've got a very nice Vietnamese one. They make, they play it in Vietnam a lot. In the 60s, right? They were doing instrumental music, kind of surf. 
but slide. Yeah, no, no, no. I never, I never, I never really played surf and rock and roll. I just played, I played blues, and then I played Hawaiian music on 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 it. I played Hawaiian music for quite a long time, real Hawaiian music. You no, know, I'm sorry, Mike. I meant that, that Vietnamese music scene. There was a scene in the '60s where they were doing instrumental kind of surfy. Sure. Yeah. Of course. That's what yeah, I was yeah, talking. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But what? 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 Let me get. What's your opinion about this whole thing about genre and whatever? Well, genre. It, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I've I've been through so many genres. That's right. That's to- right. Totally meaningless to me. <laughs> that, that's the point I'm kind of trying to make. Music's music, right? And you've used it's all vocabulary for you. Uh, yeah. Sure. You know, I've listened and played a lot of kind of musics, and uh, it's informed everything that I've done along the way, and informs everything that I do now. Whether it's like you know, Hawaiians like Cage, Charlie Hooker, or Scratchley Perry, who, God rest his soul, yeah, we just, just lost died. Him. Yeah, I played in a reggae band for a while. So, Did you? you know, in the, yeah, I played in uh, the band called GT Moore and the Outsiders. And, uh, so you you, for, you you played some electric guitar too? Okay. Yeah, I played rhythm. Obviously, played rhythm guitar in that situation. Yeah, yeah. A lot of upstroke, right? A lot of upstroke. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's really kind of uh, the R and B guys were like that too. Like with uh, Motown and Stax, they would leave so much room for the drums and the bass. I love those guitar guys. <laughs> 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 really clipped, really trebly. Yeah, yeah. Curtis Mayfield, right? Oh my God! Absolutely, yeah. Did you ever yeah, trip yeah. on the way he tuned his guitar? A lot of F sharps, right? They're, they're tuned to black keys. Yeah, yeah. That's like um, a lot of Chuck Berry stuff is was written by what's his name, Jimmy Johnson, his the piano, piano player. Man. And so he's he's always playing an F sharp. Yeah, well. right, right, right. Piano keys. Yeah, uh, really good, Mike. We're at the end of the first hour, September 21, 2021. Dish Watt Pedro Show special guest, Mike Cooper. Hold tight for hour two. September 21, 2021. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
For Pedro Show, we start off the second hour. Gaia Quill to Bayina, Mike Cooper, and Ben Salter out of Tasmania with Forfeiture. Al Margolis with guitar, guitar ludes. Guitar ludes. Yeah, not quaaludes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you guys call them uh, Mandy's or Mandix or some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About Sid Verity, no sex. Uh, Malama <laughs> Hanua. To care for our earth, Mike Cooper. So, you know, we played some gamelon stuff. When did you get into the, the exotic stuff to go with your guitar? Well, that came out of my uh, Hawaiian music experiences, really. And uh, maybe I should tell you how that happened. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, it, it went back to my radio listening days as a kid. And um, in the mornings on BBC Radio, there would always often be... Um, a band called Felix Mendelssohn's Hawaiian Serenaders. And um, I loved this stuff. And they've eventually, when I when I discovered lap steel, lap style play, guitar playing, my memory went back to the Hawaiian guitar I heard as a kid. And, uh, and I linked it back to Hawaiian music and I just started to investigate that. And... Um, felt kind of natural for me to do which is what I did and I formed a band I had a band called the Uptown Hawaiians but um, I'd learned something in the 70s when I made some pop record well, not pop record made records for Pi label I made three, four, four or five albums for Pi I discovered that if I used um, if I used the jazz musicians as session musicians and not, and not rockers or or other folk musicians, I end, would end up with a different kind of music because these guys would contribute rather than just stand there and play and get paid at the end of the day. And so um, when I formed the Hawaiian band, I did exactly the same thing. And I found guys, improvised music guys, who would be willing to play Hawaiian music because we could play it in a way really than no one else would do. And so I had guys like, I don't know if you know these people, but Steve Beresford, who's a keyboard player and improviser in England, yeah. and Lol, Co Lol Coxhill, saxophone player sure. in England, and uh, Frank Ricotti, who's a great percussion vibraphone player, and uh, Max Eastley, who's a ukulele and guitar yeah. player and sound artist. And so I had these guys play Hawaiian music, which... They all loved doing, you know, it was something that they probably would never have done if I hadn't asked them to do it. And uh, we made an album together and we toured, actually. We toured quite a lot in Europe. I think we only ever did one gig in England, but uh, that's England. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you, Mike, have you ever been to a tiki room? I've been to many tiki rooms. Okay, and here, okay, in, okay. Here, in Valencia, here in Valencia, we have three. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay, okay. Yes. I've been to a couple, uh, one up in the city in San Francisco and one one in uh, West L.A. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah they're, they're they're really trippy things. I mean, <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I love all that stuff. One up in the city, uh, it's at the Franklin uh, Hotel, uh, no Fairmont yeah. Hotel, and it's got like a waterfall. 
Of course. <laughs> there's, if you ever if you ever get to London, there's yeah. a tiki bar. Trader Vic's is underneath the Hilton in London, which is by the side of Hyde Park. It's a fantastic tiki tiki bar. That one. Yeah, really trippy. Look, you made some music with a friend of mine, Elliot Sharp. Let's uh, listen. Oh yeah.
memories of muscle. The, the, the memories of muscle. The memories of muscle. The memories of muscle. The memories of muscle. The memories of muscle.
Pedro show started on that chunk of music with Mike Cooper, Elliot Sharp doing induction, seduction, production. As <laughs> a ring to it. <laughs> uh, bootstrappers after that. This is this project, I was telling you, Mike, off air. Uh, me and George Hurley from the Minutemen. Ah, uh, yeah. Elliot Sharp asked us to do this album. It was improvised. I played a little bass that had uh, rubber band strings. You had to put baby powder on them so your fingers wouldn't stick. <laughs> yeah, it was a trip. But he he's a beautiful man and he ain't afraid to experiment. He's a pioneer. No, no. Yeah. He's great. Absolutely. Great. Sun Watchers after that with Blind Willie. Uh, this is them. Uh, they got uh, Dr. Eugene Chadborn from uh, Salem, North Carolina, uh, playing guitar. With him. And then uh, yeah. Pet Bottle Ninja, Glau uh, Glaucus Atlanticus. And finally, Mike Cooper, Elliot Sharp with. <laughs> Telegion Neo Proto Dynamics. <laughs> how this happened? Blame Elliot for the title. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. But Mike, how you get together with Elliot like that? Uh, Elliot played a gig in Rome some years ago now, back in the early 90s. And uh, I think we did a trio with uh, an Italian guitarist. And then uh, I went to New York in. 2000 I told him I was coming and he said ah we should get together and do a gig and I did a gig with him and um, what's his name the drummer uh, Lucas Lucas Ligeti oh, yeah. in the in the Bowery Poetry Club place whatever that was held in and uh, subsequently we got together on odd occasions here there and wherever we were in the same time zone and space and um, then to, during the lockdown pandemic i suggested we do uh, do a collaboration online together which we did and there's a thing on Bandcamp you can find with the two of us playing and, and yeah. how'd you do that did, did one guy go first and then uh send the file and the other guy play do it no well the way i approached it and i i did a lot actually during the lockdown because it's been like it was nearly two years you know so um what i did was i said let's do three tracks you send me three tracks i'll send you three tracks and uh we overdub on each other's tracks and if we want more we just do another three or, or another whatever you know another two so that's we did it chef share files over the internet and just just overdub on the top yeah 
It's uh, not a, not as great as being in the same room together. Of course, of course. But it's better than sitting works. on your fucking hands, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it does work. It works if you, you know, if you, if you kind of keep your wits about you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Now, uh, that 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 gig you did with him in Rome was it that kind of material? Were you guys playing acoustic? Yes. Okay. Yeah, we, it was just a totally free, improvised, uh, extremely loud. I might add. Uh, gig, yeah. Well, there was a, there was a, there was a group of of young guys. They were they were then in their early twenties, who um, they uh, they had a they had an organisation called Chevelli Sonali, which which actually means brain rattlers. And <laughs> they organised they organised free improvised music gigs right through the nineties. In fact, and uh, we had a lot of guests come over. We had Tom Cora and people. Oh, that guy. They organised. They organize a festival every year. I should tell the listeners fun. about Tom Core. We lost him really young, you know, but this guy was yeah. a great, great musician. I've seen Absolutely. him do shit where he's playing a kick drum and a bass guitar and yeah. a cello yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah Tom Core. So we, had a, so we had a lot of Americans come through rooms. Rover Saxophone Quartet. That's how come oh, yeah, I, know John, I know John Raskin. So I made a did a collaboration with John Raskin online as well during the lockdown. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Uh, well, how'd you get to Rome? Ah, I, I, um, I was playing in Rome. You know what? We're going to wait for next hour because we're at the end of the second hour. <laughs> so save it, please, Mike. Uh, September 21, 2021, edition of Watt Pedro Show, special guest Mike Cooper. Hold tight for hour three. September 21, 2021. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Watch for Pedro Show start off the third hour. Mike Cooper, Aquatech. Then Tolem's Astral Traveling Sessions with uh, Tolem and Berger, number one. And finally, Barish K. Bod. Or mm. Barish K. Bod. Sri Lanka Barish. after rain. Mike Cooper. You've been to Sri Lanka? I have, yeah. been to Sri Lanka, yeah. Wow, yeah. I would love to go. What's the music <laughs> like there? Ah, uh, I didn't hear a lot of music there. I tell you what I did hear was a lot of reggae. Oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everywhere I went, there was Bob Marley playing. And wow, in fact, in one, in, in one place we went to, we walked past this guy at this house, and there was a huge, huge painting of this guy outside his house. And it said, uh, the Sri Lankan Bob Marley. Whoa. And he, and he looked just like him, and it was amazing. He was a splitting image of Bob Marley. <laughs> I got to see him once. He played in 79 at UCLA, and it was a basketball arena, but still sounded great. Family man. Wow, big influence yeah. on me. Yeah, good. Family man bear. Yeah. So tell me about how you got to Rome. I went there in, um, I initially went there in 1984. I was playing there quite often. And then in 1987, I was coming back from, I was going to Rome from London on an Air Ethiopian flight, which I often used to use. There used to be this great Air Ethiopian flight went from London to Rome to Addis Ababa. And, um, and I met this young lady waiting for her suitcase to come around the carousel. And we got talking and um, I ended up going back there about six months later and I never left. We're still together Whoa. to this very to this very day. Yeah, you talk about a sea change. <laughs> 30, 35 years later. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. And and then why Valencia? Ah, Valencia. Well, we lived in Rome all that time and um, we knew Valencia. We knew Spain. I'd actually lived in Spain previous to meeting her before. And uh, Maria, her name is, and she, her mother lived in Spain as well. And um, when her mother died, we decided maybe it's time to leave Rome. Uh, Rome's a very beautiful city, and it's very enjoyable if you're a tourist. And um, <laughs> it's very difficult. It's it's very hard city to live in, and it's become worse and worse. And we decided it was time to leave. Came to Valencia, which is a much smaller. There's four million people in Rome. There's four hundred thousand here. Yeah, so yeah. Much, much smaller city and it's flat and, and you got uh, the beach we buy the beach yeah yep. yeah yeah it's, it's very nice there uh, you know uh the way you compose do you yeah. make little demos for yourself or do you just jam and then record that yeah i'm a i'm a i'm a real uh improviser and uh i i sometimes you know like over the summer I spent with this place we've got. We've got an incredibly huge outdoor rooftop space, and I'm able to get out up there in the summer. And I do a lot of playing up there, and even recording. And I guess like throughout the year, I just sit down and play, and I keep all the stuff. And then uh, when it when it's time to make a record, I kind of go through all this stuff and see if there's anything in there that I can use and expand. And build on, and uh, I don't do much. Um, I don't do much songwriting as such now, even though I still do sing. But a few years ago, I uh, I decided to 
adopt a different way of, of making songs, as I as I would call it, not songwriting. And what I started doing was I started taking um, two of Thomas Pynchon's novels, Gravity's Rainbow and V, no, and uh, and I went through it and I uh, I kind of used a William Burroughs cut up technique and made songs that way and um, I've been working that way for quite a long time and I have about I have a repertoire of about forty songs now that I've made that way but the thing is obviously I'm cutting these things up and I'm not writing them on an instrument or anything so they're just words and then. I had to find a, what was I going to do with these things, and I decided I would uh, I would just um, improvise on the fly live, making up these um, these tunes, and I just sing across whatever I happen to play, and uh, so that they're they're different every time I do them. Subsequently, I haven't made very many records doing this. There are a few because it's uh, different every night. And um, any record is going to kind of freeze it in time. And uh, I get, you know, it is it is like a photograph, I suppose. Sure. When you do, there are a couple. Blue guitar is, is one of them, and uh, that's me playing acoustic guitar and singing these things. And um, there's a couple of other records of me doing it over uh, electronics and uh, electric loop. I have a lot of looping gear I can use on stage, but. Um, uh, I'm, I managed to find this looping machine, which which actually doesn't sync everything up, which is what I needed. I wanted to find a machine that I could make loops that didn't go into sync, so they were totally out of sync. These things, so you make kind of soundscape, and sure. I sing sing across the top of those, and uh, that's mainly my live gig at the moment. That's that's what I do. The exotica thing, I can do that as well, but it's uh, it requires me doing um, backing tracks and playing across the top of that, which I don't particularly like doing very much, but uh, I sometimes do it. And I do it to, to um, live. I do a lot of work with um, a live music to silent films, and sometimes oh, yeah. I do that across uh, the silent films, yeah. Yeah, they, they used to be organ players. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, I, I yeah. want to play uh, this. You gave uh, the Drowned World. Yeah.
Thank you.
for Pedro Show, last music for this edition, The Drowned World, Jalan Batu After Rain, Mike Cooper. Then Head Boggle, hit from his new album, Ballroom Sight, is the tune. And Mike Cooper, finally, La Mal Malvarosa. La Malvarosa. Yeah, Rosa, it's two hours. Rosa. <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you, Mike, you being in Spain, any, any, uh, you know, all these guitar styles you've tried out and all these techniques and the perspectives, what about the flamenco thing? Yeah, I mean, I love flamenco, um, uh, but there's not a lot of flamenco around this part of Spain. There are, there is some, but not a lot. And at the moment, because of the um, the lockdown and confinement, all of the uh, flamenco tableaus have been closed because those those places are really small. And people are really jammed into them. That's part of, of being in that environment. It creates that music. And so I, I, they've all I was at one of them in Sabilla. Yeah, there you Seville, go. You know, there you go. And it, was, it was like $1 cervezas and no PA. And this lady, yeah. the dancers, no smiling, kind of Moorish looking <laughs> lady. Uh, the singer man with his palms to the sky, like, like their blues music. He's singing a lot about sure. Cordoba. And then the guitar man. It made me cry. Yeah, it's great stuff. Love it. I love it. So, uh, yeah, so you're soaking it up, right? So it'll come back. Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll yeah, 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 it'll come back. Yeah, um, just before I left Rome, in fact, we had two years of uh, uh, Flamenco Guitar Festival came through, and there would be like 14 or 15 guitar players and wow. dancers, <laughs> and that was totally phenomenal. Yeah, they're, they're mind-blowing, those Flamenco guitar players now, they're absolutely, totally avant-garde. Yeah, incredible. And and then also the clapping, the, the, the people that got clapping with them, usually family. Sure, members, yeah. It's yeah. syncopated all. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's yeah. Beautiful. We have, um, we have, we're, we're uh, La Maros is where, where I actually live in Valencia. Ah. And uh, past us, past us down about, I don't know, half a mile down the road here, there's a whole bunch of gypsies living the some building projects down there, and they spend they spend most of their life sitting outside, of course. And at night, sometimes night, especially during the summer, we can, we can hear the music wafting over the rooftop here. It's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big part of it, though, right? Because it's a, a melting of like more and gypsy and Spain and uh, sure. Django too, right? Django has a, yeah. a, a gypsy yeah, yeah, yeah. connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mike, it's been a huge honor to have you on the show. I can't thank you enough. Uh, Thanks for asking. Yeah. Thanks for asking. And I know you just made some music with some uh, Australian cats. So, you, yeah, you're, you're making the most of the sitch. I love it. It's sure. very inspiring to me. <laughs> Th thank you so much. Uh, and, uh, thank it's, you. It's, 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 it's a big deal for me. Uh, I love what you're doing. So please keep on keeping on. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Yeah. People, it's been September 21, 2021. The Dishwap Pedo shall keep your powder dry. <laughs>